I am so excited about today's message. I know I'm always excited about the message. And the reason why I'm, I'm excited about every time I get a chance to, to uh, deliver the word of God is that I'm excited because God speaks through his spirit. And as I depend upon the Lord and as I pray and seek his face and seek his will, I ask this question, Lord, how am I best to shepherd these people? What do you want to say to the people of Lake Point Church and to the community of Emerson and Bartow County? And so, again, he is so faithful and he has, um, has shared with me uh, an area that will help us all to keep the change. Now, keep the change is it's not, a, it's not a sermon series about money, but what it is, it's all about the change that happened in our life. Now, for those who have accepted Christ as Savior, you have a change in your heart. That change happened when, when you invited Jesus, and, and if he truly is Lord in your, uh, of your life and Lord of your heart, then that change takes place. But in this world, we get bombarded with all kinds of junk, all kinds of junk. And I'm going to tell you, this, this weekend, even for me, I, I was just, you know, Friday and even did a little bit day yesterday, just things in, in life, just like, you know, disappointments, frustrations. It's like, really, this is happening, you know? And, um, and it's, it, it's ironic. I mean, none of it was like church-related. It was all, you know, just like, okay, really, where is this coming from? And it's so easy to get down and to uh, look at these things and to let that steal your joy and to affect the initial change that God has placed in my heart. And I'm sure you've been in those situations as well, whether all the frustrations in life, all the disappointments in life, and even, obviously, sin. Things that come into our life, it could affect the initial change. Now, when I say affect, I don't mean that it's going to take away, because once you have truly accepted Jesus Christ as Savior, then that change has happened, and, and God is faithful, and just he who began a good work in you is faithful to complete that work. So you're not going to lose your salvation. If you truly have, that, uh, have that, made that change, then that change continues uh, to happen. However, that change uh, happens more dramatically and more over time by those who allow that change to continue to take place. Because it's, it's an initial decision of following Christ, yes, but it's also an everyday decision to say, I want to be more like Christ. I want to keep that change. I want to keep that change. It's kind of like when you're, when you're a kid. If, you, if you're a kid or, or when you were a kid or you were a student, you went to youth camp. I remember going, the days of going to youth camp. You get all fired up, and then it's like you get home, and it just took a few, few days, and it's like gone. <laughs> it's like, how can I keep that change? How can I keep that fire? And so we talked about in our week one, we, in order to keep the change, we got to make sure that a change took place. So just because we come to church or just, you know, just because, you know, we, uh, we try to live a good life doesn't mean that change took place. I know lots of lots of really nice people. In fact, I know lots of nice people who are nicer, 
who are unbelievers who are nicer than believers. And so it's not about how good you live your life. It's not about the good things you have done. And it's not even if you're here at church today. It's all about if you truly invited Jesus to be Lord of your life and you said, I surrender my life, my heart is yours. I want to follow after you. And you wear that Jesus jersey all the time, every day. Because, you know, you and I, we don't make the change in our life. Jesus is the one who makes that change. A lot of people get that confused. They say, well, I need to make some changes in my life in order for me to accept Christ. You'll never make it. You'll never make it. You need to come to Christ dirty. You need to come to Christ needing a change. And so um, we got to make sure that change happens. And then the second week, we, we talked about we need to share the change. We need to share that change. You will keep the change with greater success if you share with others about the change Jesus made in your life. I'm a firm believer that if if you truly are a follower of Christ, you're gonna tell people about him. You know, I don't keep it a secret that I'm married to the most beautiful, awesome woman on the planet. Okay, and everyone's agreeing. Amen? Yes. And so, I, I let people know I'm married. I'm very happily married. And, I, and, I, and, and I'm just in love with her. And I talk about her and all this stuff. You know why? Because she has my heart. If Jesus has my heart, then guess what? I'm going to talk about Jesus. I'm going to talk about the change. And, and let me let you know something. You don't need an incredible amount of Bible knowledge in order to share about Christ. Now, yes, it is helpful. Yes, you want to use God's word. But can I tell you something? The moment you accept Christ as Savior, what do you have? You may not know a lot of scripture, but guess what you have? You have your personal testimony. You have your story of that says, I once was this, now I'm this. I used to live like this, now I live like this. Jesus changed my life. And so, if you are a believer in Christ, you will want to share the change. And the more you share the change, the more that you can feel like you're keeping that change. So, first, we got to make sure that there was a change, make sure the change happened. Second, we got to make sure we share that change. And then last week, Jackson Grant did an incredible job of talking about what I call the circle of change, meaning that we, in order to keep the change, in order to grow in our faith, we want to make sure that we sit in circles. Now, right now, we're sitting in rows. Rows are important. We have good fellowship in that. But we also need to sit in circles, meaning we need to join a small group. We need to be able to be in a small group in order to keep the change. Because you and I cannot have the same discussions while sitting in rows that we can in a circle. So there are people sitting in rows right now that are in my circle, that are in a circle that, that I'm a part of, and it's a small group. And I get, to, I get to hear their take on Scripture, and I get to pray for them, and they get to pray for me, and, and all of these things. And, and it's where you just kind of like, oh, gosh, y'all, it's been this kind of week. We need, I need prayer, and, and they, they, they lift me up. 
and prayer. And we share scripture together, and, and it's such a sweet fellowship. And so you will be able to keep the change more if you're able to sit in circles rather than just rows. So the circle of change. So as I prayed leading up to this week to, to figure out what I, what I need to talk about, what God wants me to say, um, I've come across this, um, this idea, this spiritual truth that we're going to see in God's word. But first, let me kind of share with it as an object lesson. So I have here in, in my hand a leaf. This leaf has beautiful colors. And you walk outside, and depending on the type of tree, you can go around and you can see, wow, amazing colors. One of the awesome things to do is when fall is in full bloom, you can take a drive. Blue Ridge Parkway, lots of areas, and you could just go and see the incredible beauty that God gives us this time every year. But let me tell you something about this leaf. The reason why this leaf is, is changing colors is because it's dying. It's dying, this leaf. It's changing colors because it is dying. And we're going to look at scripture on this throughout this, but if you want to keep the change or if you want to know that you are changing just like this leaf, you need to die. Now, aren't you glad you came to church today to know that the pastor is telling you you need to die? I'm going to explain a little bit more as, as we uh, dive into this, but, but what this means is you need to be dying in areas in your life, especially when it comes to selfishness or sinful desires, selfish desires, sinful desires. If there are areas in your life, and there are areas in my life that are not dying, that should be dying, then we are not really changing. The way to keep the change and to keep growing is daily dying. If you're not dying, then you're not changing. We see this idea of dying to self in a variety of ways in Scripture. There's lots of passages. We're just going to look at a few today. First of all, we're going to look at Matthew chapter 16. There's just a couple of verses. This is not my main passage of Scripture today, but in Matthew chapter 16, verse 24 through 25, it says, Then Jesus said to his disciples, Whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves and take up their cross and follow me. For whoever wants to save their life will lose it, but whoever loses their life for me will find it. Dying to self in this passage is used as, as a way of denying yourself. When you deny yourself, it's like you're dying to self. We also see this in Galatians to, uh, from, the, uh, from the Apostle Paul in chapter 5, verse 24 through 25. Those who belong to Christ, Jesus, have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. Since we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. So if we daily crucify the flesh, our spiritual, per I mean, our sinful person, okay, we, we have a spiritual person, we have a, a sinful person, we have the natural self, the sinful self, and we have the spiritual, the Holy Spirit, 
for those who've accepted Christ. And so we need to daily crucify our sinful self of our passions and desires. Remember, if you wanna keep the change, if you wanna make sure that you are keeping that change on a daily basis, you need to die to self. So as we get to our main passage of scripture, we're gonna be in Romans chapter six, and if you have your copy of God's word, I encourage you to turn to there. Uh, We're also gonna have this on the uh, screens. And so you have this in Romans chapter six, verse one through 14. So we're we're gonna read all of these verses, one through 14, and um, then I'm going to talk about that, and we're going to um, take some, uh, some spiritual truths out of this passage. And this is from the Apostle Paul uh, to the uh, Christians in Rome. Romans 6, 1 through 14. It says, what shall we say then? Shall we go on sinning so that grace may increase? By no means. We are those who have died to sin. How can we live it live in it any longer. Oh, don't you know that all of us who were baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? We were therefore buried with him through baptism into death in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead through the glory of the Father, we too may live a new life. Verse five. For if we have been united with him in a death like his, we will certainly also be united with him in a resurrection like his. For we know that our old self was crucified with him so that the body ruled by sin might be done away with, that we should no longer be slaves to sin. Check out verse seven. Because anyone who has died has been set free from sin. Now, if we died with Christ, We believe that we also live with him. For we know that since Christ was raised from the dead, he cannot die again. Death no longer has mastery over him. The death he died, he died to sin once for all. But the life he lives, he lives to God. In the same way, count yourselves, he's talking to you, church. In the same way, count yourselves dead to sin, but alive to God in Christ Jesus. Therefore, now, so he's, he's laid all this stuff out, dead to sin and alive to Christ. So now this is the practical steps in verse 12. Therefore, do not let sin reign in your mortal body so that you obey its evil desires. Do not offer any part of yourself to sin as an instrument of wickedness, but rather offer yourselves to God as those who have been brought from death to life and offer every part of yourself to him as an instrument of righteousness. For sin shall no longer be your master because you are not under the law, but under grace. Now there's a lot in those 14 verses. There's a lot of stuff in there that's like, okay, what, is, what does some of this all mean? And I'm gonna try to use different illustrations and, um, that, that hopefully you can relate, that you can input into your life to help you realize, man, I'm keeping the change. I'm keeping this change. If you're a believer, then you believe that you died with Christ because you are associated with Christ. That's what the the first few verses talk about. We are associated with Christ. When we come to Christ and we invite him in, we associate ourselves, our life to him. Our spiritual life is that of Christ. Christ was crucified, our spiritual life 
crucified, our spiritual man crucified, okay? And um, so we are associated with that. It, it, it's kind of like, it's kind of like your, sp- your favorite sports team. So let's say if you have a, a favorite sports team, and it could be football or soccer or, or baseball, I mean, lot, lots of great, lots of great games going on at this time of year. NBA is just now getting started. You know, football is in full swing. Baseball, we got two teams left, the World Series. And so you've got all kinds of games. And so you have these teams that you're cheer for. And, and I don't know about you, but, but the Bennett family, we, we're all in. Like, like we, we tell our kids, hey, you know, your, your mother and I, we, we graduated from, from, from LSU and we cheer for the Tigers. And if you want to be part of this family, you have to cheer for the Tigers. And if you don't, then we have a clubhouse out back that you can go sleep in. We'll bring you food. But, but in all reality, you, you get associated with the team, and whatever your team is, you associate yourself so much, you know the players' names, you, you know when they play, you know their schedule, you, you may be at their games, you may be watching their games, definitely watching their games, you, you guide your life, your schedule around your favorite team's schedule, their game schedule. And we do that at the Bennett House. When are the Tigers playing? It's really, I mean, it's like, if the Tigers are playing at this time, we don't do that. We, we watch the Tigers, okay? And so, whatever your team is, you get associated with that, and you cheer them on, and you get so caught up in it, it's like you're part of it. And when they lose, it's like, oh my gosh, they've lost a big game. And it's like, it just, it just makes you, like, in a bad mood, like for the next few days. At least it does for the Bennett. We're sitting at the table, we're not talking to one another, you know? And so, it, it affects you. But when they win, it's like there's nothing you can't do. It's like you're victorious. You know, you walk around, go Tigers. When they lose, you're like, hmm, yeah. You don't really talk about it much. It affects you. Why? Because you associate so much with them. Same way with Jesus. With Jesus. And I don't want to, you know, uh, just make this so elementary. I'm not saying Jesus is like a sports team, but it's so much bigger than that. But just trying to use that analogy. When you accept Christ as Savior and you wear that Jesus jersey, you're associated with him. You die with him. Your life is, is crucified with him. We see a little bit of this in Galatians 2.20. In this passage, Paul says this, I have been crucified with Christ. I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. The life I live, I now live in the body. I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. And so when we die to sin, we die to sin because Jesus died to sin. When Jesus died, all the sins of mankind was laid upon him, and they died with him. It means he defeated sin when he rose from the grave. We'll talk about that in a moment. 
But it doesn't mean this. It doesn't mean that sin is not alive because you and I both know sin is very much alive in this world. Very much alive. We see sin all the time in our house. We see sin all the time in this world. And you and I experience sin and it crouches at our door all the time, begging us to make that choice to follow it. And so it doesn't mean sin is dead. It, what it does mean is that your spiritual life is dead to sin. Sin has no hold on you. Just like when we die in our natural bodies, when we, when we forever die in these natural mortal bodies, we will be forever free from sin. You know why? Because we're dead. The same way with our mortal bodies, our spiritual bodies are dead. And sin has no rule over that because sin cannot affect something that is dead. And we are associated with Christ through his death. Sin has no reign on us. One way to illustrate this is with a particular movie. You may have seen this movie. It's called World War Z, starring Brad Pitt. It's a pretty scary movie. Um, it's a zombie movie where people have been bit by zombies, and uh, what they do is they go around, and they run around, and, and they bite other people who have never been bit. And what they want to do is they want to create more zombies. And what they do, they, they bite people who are, they're a good host. It's a very intense movie. Uh, but here's a spoiler alert in case you haven't seen that particular movie. But the character played by, by Brad Pitt realizes that the zombies, they don't attack people who are dying because they would not make a good host. He watches while zombies pass people who have terminal illnesses as if they were invisible. So what does he do? He injects himself with a terminal disease in, in which there is, they also have their cure for. And after the, the disease settles in his body, he tries his theory on the zombies for himself. So... Um, if you're kind of a little skittish of zombies, you don't like zombies, you may want to close your eyes because we're about to watch this scene of World War Z. Walk right past them. 
much hard pasta. Like there was nobody. When I watch that movie, I've seen it a few times, I never thought about an example of how sin, obviously represented by the zombies, can have no effect on our spiritual life. You see this, the zombies didn't attack the character played by Brad Pitt because he had an infectious disease, a disease that was terminal that he injected himself in. He was dying. And so when you and I accept Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, we have died to sin. And sin has no reign on us. You can live your life just like Brad Pitt in that, care, in that movie. You can live your life walking in through and just let sin just come around you as if your life is invisible. That is how you walk in victory with Christ. But see, the only way to do that is to die. The only way to do that is through death, is to constantly be dying. You need to live as if you are dying. You may say, well, Pastor Frank, censure has not passed over me. I'm struggling, and it happens, absolutely. We all struggle, but the reason why sin keeps after you is because you're not dying. You need to die to self. Dying to sin doesn't mean sinless perfection, but a new direction. Dying to sin doesn't mean sinless perfection. You're You're going to mess up, but if you're overtaken, if you're overtaken by sin in your life, then there's areas in your life that need to die. What in your area in your life? What needs to die? So not only do we need to be, are we dead in our sin, we're associated with the death of Jesus Christ through the crucifixion, but we're also associated with the, with the resurrection of Jesus Christ, the power of his resurrection. We are associated with that, and that's the beauty of it. Because the power of a resurrection is living within us. I wanted to, I wanted to remind you in, 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 in Galatians, I'm sorry, in, uh, in, in verse 7, because anyone in this passage, uh, anyone who has died has been set 
free from sin. Back in Romans 6, uh, 6, 7. Anyone who has died has been set free from sin. You are set free from sin, meaning you are made alive in Christ. In that movie, he was able to walk out alive because we are dead in our sin. We are made alive with Christ. We can walk in freedom. We can walk walk in victory over sin because of that new life. So how do we walk in freedom of sin? How do we do that? Well, as I was reading this passage earlier in Romans chapter 6, it starts there in verse 12 where it says, therefore, do not let sin reign in your mortal bodies. And, And it gives us some things that we can apply to our life. So, another, so first of all, we need to end the reign of sin in our life. We need to end the reign or the rule of sin in our life. If sin is ruling over your life, then you are not dying. What sins need to die in your life? Paul gives a few in Colossians chapter five, I'm sorry, chapter three, verse five through 10. In Colossians three, five through 10, and some of these may apply to you, it says this, put to death, therefore, whatever belongs to your earthly nature, sexual immorality. There's lots of things that go with sexual immorality. Lots of things. Impurity. Gosh, has there been impurity, impure thoughts, impure images, you know, impure conversations? Impure language. Uh, lust. Have, you, have your eyes gained upon things? Not just, not just sexual lust, but just wanting things that are not yours. Evil desires and greed. You long for things that are evil, which is idolatry. Because of these, the wrath of God is coming. You used to walk in these ways in the life you once lived. But now you must also rid yourselves of all such things as these. He goes on to say, anger. Have you been angry? Do you have an issue with anger? Does anger need to die in your life today? How you respond to those you love the most. How you respond to your coworkers. How you respond to your family. If you know it, if people are telling you this, then it's probably something that God is telling you and God is speaking to you right now. That anger has got to die, because if it doesn't die, you're not changing. That's just a fact. If you don't die, you're not changing. And when you're changed, you're made into something beautiful. When you die and you change, you're made into something beautiful. What about rage? Anger leads to rage throwing things around, cursing, malice, slander, talking bad about people, our conversations. What did you hear? I can't believe they, all that stuff. I mean, Paul, Paul nails pretty much everything. Um, filthy language from your lips. It's unbelievable. Students, and obviously adults here today, but particularly students. Students, I know there's a lot of people you know, and it could be some of you, who are using 
really, really bad language. You don't need to follow that same path. In fact, if you have friends that are using vulgar language, then you need to get out of that circle. I don't, I don't mean you never talk to them, but you need to move away from that circle, move, move them to a further circle away from you, and you need to have a new circle of friends who do not do those things and who do not say those things. I can't believe, I mean, when I was a teenager, the language that people used in, in, in high school, middle school and high school, was nowhere near what the language that students now use. And they throw around like it's nothing. Are they typing? And let me say this. Typing is the same thing as speaking it. I'll just type it. No. That's, that's the same thing. So typing vulgar language, saying filthy language. Another word for filthy is vulgar language. You need to get rid of it. If, if, if vulgar language and filthy language, and I don't care if you're a student or adult here, if that is penetrating into your life, you are not changing. How can I make it any plainer? We are not changing. You and I will, are not changing. We are not keeping the change that Jesus Christ made in our life. We accepted him as Lord and Savior. If we are using filthy language, if we have anger, if we have rage, if we're talking negatively about people, and these are not the words of Frank Bennett, these are the words of Paul the Apostle, Apostle, God's chosen man who wrote most of the New Testament. These are not my ideas, although I have adopted them because I've been adopted into the family of God, because I've invited Jesus Christ to be Lord and Savior of my life, and yes, I do believe these things, but understand this, we have got to make sure that we rid ourselves of these things because that will bring new life. We have life in Christ. We need to end the reign of sin in our life, as it says right there in verse 12. Let's go on. There's more. Yahah. Do not lie to each other. Yes, he even throws in the simple sin of lying. Now, lying, it's hard to for other people to detect those things because they don't really know, but it usually comes out. But in the moment, it's so easy to tell a lie. It's so easy to just say that lie. And, 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 and Paul is saying through the Holy Spirit, look, if, if, you are, if lying is something that is constantly in your life, you need to, you need to rid yourselves of the reign of lying in your life. Because if not, you're not changing. Since you have taken off your old self with its practices, verse 10, and have put on the new self, which is being renewed in knowledge in the image of its creator. You cannot let this stuff hang around. You cannot let this stuff linger. It will bring you down very, very Slowly. So, number one, we have to end the reign of sin. Number two, and we're getting this from this passage, starting from verse 12 to the end, there in Romans chapter six. Number two, we have to offer yourselves to God. Offer yourselves to God. Stop offering your body and your life on the altar of sin. We need to stop offering our body and our life, our mind, our time, our focus, 
our energy, our community, our, our community of friends. We need to stop offering on the altar of sin. Don't let sin tell you how to live. Don't give it the time of day. We need to offer yourselves to God. Then if we offer ourselves to God, then there won't be much room to offer yourselves to sin. So let me explain that a little bit more. You and I only have this certain amount of time, certain amount of energy, so many friends that we can um, be close to, that we're capable of being close to socially. And so if we are offering ourselves, our bodies, our life, our mind, our attention, our focus, our energy on the altar of sin, on the sinful ways, then we're not gonna have time for the things of God. But the true is, the reverse is true also, that if we live our life as an offering of sacrifice to God, then we're not gonna be drawn to those things. Number one, we don't have time, we don't have the energy, we don't have the focus, we don't have the social capacity. So how do we not offer our, our lives on the altar of sin? We offer it to God. It's a simple substitute. That's all of this. My favorite verse, my life verse, Romans 12, one and two. Therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God, which this is your spiritual act of proper worship. Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, then you'll be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. Paul is saying right there, offer your bodies as a living sacrifice unto God. So, how do we walk in freedom? We end the reign of sin in our life. Number two, we offer ourselves to God. And number three, last, we walk in grace. We walk in grace, as we see in the last section of those last few verses of Romans chapter six, one through 14. And finally, walk in the grace of God. Listen, church, you are going to mess up. Yes, sin will come knocking at your door, absolutely, and they come from time to time. Here's what you do. You confess sin, you repent, and you walk in the fullness of God. You confess it, you repent, you turn away, and you walk in the freedom of God. And so you and I need to make sure that we can walk in his grace. His grace is sufficient for you. It doesn't matter what you've done. His grace is there for you. Now, just like Paul said at the very beginning of this passage in, in Romans, uh, Romans 6, he does not, he says, what should we say then? Should we go on sinning so that grace may increase? What he's saying is we don't just keep sinning because we have unlimited amount of grace, which we do. But if we keep sinning and pulling the, the grace deposit from, from God's checking account, we're never gonna change to be the person God wants us to be. We, if we're gonna change, we need to get rid of the rule of sin in our life. We need to offer our lives as a living sacrifice, and we need to walk in grace. Aren't you glad for grace? Aren't you glad that God says, God didn't say, all right, you need to walk in this perfect life, you need to do these things, you need to stop doing these things, good luck, and if you don't, 
you're not going to be with me for an eternity. Aren't you glad that we have grace? We have grace. It's the only religion out there. Christianity, following Christ. It's his love. It's his mercy. It's his grace. If you're here today and you have fallen away, or maybe you've never accepted Christ as Savior, if you're here today and you're like, you know, Frank, I, I need that grace. I need the grace of Jesus. I need the grace of God. I need to believe in him. And I need to give back to this. Or maybe there's some sin in your life that you just need to get rid of. You're finally saying, okay, enough is enough of this stuff. I've got to get rid of this. Lord Jesus, help me get rid of it. Help me get rid of it. Lord Jesus, I need to die to self. I need to die so I can keep the change. I need to die so you can make me beautiful. You can make me beautiful. Your Christian life is not about turning over a new leaf. It's about receiving a new life. It's not about turning over a new leaf. It's about receiving a new life. He will make you beautiful, but you gotta die. You gotta die. Are you ready to die? It's a good day to die. It's a good day to die. Every head bowed, every eye closed. As you're sitting here, thinking, wow, Pastor Frank, you, uh, you told me to die. Yes, I, I didn't really tell you that. God the Father did. But as every head bowed, as every eye closed, in all seriousness, there might be some areas in your life you just need to, you need to hang, you need a nail to the cross. You need to die. And just like sin is coming at you like a bunch of zombies, you can be invisible to sin if you're dying to sin. And if you're relating your body, your life to the death of Jesus Christ. But you can also live victoriously because you relate with the resurrection of Jesus Christ. If you're here today, you've never accepted Jesus Christ as Savior, you can do this right here, right now. By simply saying this, you can just repeat after me. Say, Lord Jesus, I'm sorry for my sin. Please forgive me. I want to live for you. I believe, Lord Jesus, that you died for me. Thank you, Jesus. Please forgive me my sin. Come be Lord of my life and change my life. Thank you, Jesus. And if you're sitting here today and you have an air in your life, you just need to surrender. The altar is open. The band is going to sing. In just a moment, I'm going to ask everyone to stand and we're going to sing together. But the altar is open. I'm going to be down here. You can come down here or you can pray at your seat. Or if you have a burden, if somebody in, in your life that they are just not living like they should, you want to stand at the gap for them. The altar is open. We invite you to come down. Stand here at the altar. Pray for them. Pray for your life as well. Let's keep the change together by dying together.